Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 441 for your August 21st, 2022. I am JD from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday nights. 
wherever you may be, man. We got a lot to get into tonight. A lot to get into tonight, mainly revolving around CM Punk. Lots of CM Punk news this week. If you guys have been living in a fucking cave somewhere, lots of drama inside the walls of AEW. And I use that term in quotes, man, loosely, drama. Are we being worked like the sheep that we are? Could be. Could be, man. I love a good work. It's always great. Keeps everybody on their toes, man. So we'll talk about that and everything regarding CM Punk. Also, NXT UK is finished. NXT Europe is now being born. We got news on Jeff Jarrett being let go by WWE. Tennille Dashwood may be on her way back to WWE. And Bailey's new group has a new name. They finally have a name. And we'll talk about all that plus your weekly AEW and WWE news and rumors, man. First order of business, guys. It is members only. It is VIP only. So make sure you guys get those memberships in if you want to be a part of this elusive club. The only way you can chat on Sunday nights is if you join the channel and become a member. Become an OTS VIP, man. You're going to hit that join button. If you see it right underneath the video player, wherever you may be watching, or you guys can go into the description. The link is right there. Click join. And for $249, man, $249, 50% off for the entire month of August, you guys are getting an OTS VIP membership. Not only 50% of you guys getting emotes, you're getting the emotes, you're getting the badges next to your name, right? It's a great deal, man. Plus, you guys got five new emotes coming and two brand new badges. I want to shout out Garrett Bunk for three months. JP5150 with 24 months. JP's got himself a golden microphone, bro. Listen, brother. We got 36 and 48 months coming up. There's even more for you guys to strive for. And I want to shout out one new member tonight, Austin. Thank you so much, brother. What the fuck are you guys drinking? Love to see it. Get them on in. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out with our cold beverages at the end of the show. Hit that thumbs up, man. I see some of you guys still filtering on in here. I got 1,700 in the venue already. I got 506 likes. I need 1,000 likes minimum on the show tonight. I want to apologize in advance for you guys for uh, not showing up at 8 o'clock. I pushed it back to 8.30. I was visiting with my grandma. You fucking mind? So we went live a little later than usual, man. Usually it's about 8 p.m., but grandma was more important. War God and Cody Snyder become two brand new members almost immediately, man. What the fuck are you gentlemen drinking? Whiskey on the rocks, Jesse. Uh, Make sure it's the uh, bullet single barrel reserve, bro. Okay? The good stuff. Thank you, guys. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Everything you need is linked down below in the description of this video. Go check out all the other content on the channel, man. On the homepage, there is a ton of shit. 
If you missed anything, go check it out. Tonight's show is sponsored by Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. Make sure you guys sign up and get your free audio book. It's the best way I could describe it, man. 30 days free and one free audio book of your choice. Let's start at the top, man. We got a lot of news to cover. I want to start off with this uh, Jeff Jarrett story. Apparently, Jeff Jarrett is no longer with the WWE. We just saw him at SummerSlam literally a month ago. I don't know what the fuck I had. Less than a month ago. Three weeks ago. Three weeks, to, three weeks ago, Jeff Jarrett. He was the special guest referee for the Street Profits and the Usos and the undisputed tag team title match at SummerSlam. PW Insiders reporting that Jeff Jarrett has finished up with WWE. He departed from his position as senior vice president of live events. Now, the belief is that he finished up this past Friday, but that is not 100% confirmed. Jarrett was brought back in to work as a producer in 2019 and later as part of the creative team before moving to an executive role. Jarrett was one of the many employees furloughed during the pandemic and was brought back in May of this year to run the live event department, which is a pretty big fucking deal. He ran all of WWE's live events. Under Jarrett, the live event ticket sales have increased. Earlier this week, the company touted record ticket sales for WrestleMania 39, which we will talk about in a little bit. Non-televised events have also seen an uptick in recent months. Jarrett also hosts his podcast with Conrad Thompson. Who does Conrad not have on his fucking team of podcasts is what I want. That's the bigger question. Who does, podcast, who does Conrad not work with on a podcast? That's the, that's the bigger question to me. Uh, My World is the name of his podcast, if you guys don't know, on adfreeshows.com. And he's part owner of the Springfield Lucky Horseshoes minor league baseball team. Now, I don't know if that uh, has anything to do with why he would step away. Imagine stepping away to go manage or be part owner of the Springfield Lucky Horseshoes Minor League Baseball Team. Pretty cool name there, man. The Lucky Horseshoes. Not so lucky for Jeff Jarrett, I see. Last month, Jarrett appeared in Ric Flair's last match with tag team partner Jay Lethal against Flair and Andrade El Idolo. The night prior, he was a special guest referee, like I just mentioned, at SummerSlam. For the tag team title match between the Usos and the Street Profits, Jared has not publicly commented on his exit from WWE at this point. I don't know what the hell had happened here, bro. I don't know what had happened with Jeff Jarrett. Apparently, uh, he's gone. Now, uh, we don't really uh, have any other news but what I just read to you from PW Insider. The only thing I could really kind of say about this and maybe have it be a possible... Reason as to why he left. This is a part of the new Triple H regime. Triple H era. Triple H is now head of talent relations. Triple H is head of creative. Stephanie McMahon obviously is Triple H's wife. She's running all the the show that is now WWE along with Nick Khan as co-CEOs of the company. Because Vince McMahon is no longer there. Jeff Jarrett was a Vince McMahon hire. Could this be... That Stephanie and Triple H and his team now have said, well, Jeff Jarrett, we don't have any use for you here. You don't fit into the current regime, into the current administration. 
Let's get him out. Let's have him finish up on Friday, and we're going to put somebody in there that I know is going to do a better job, and I know who is part of Team H here in WWE, and we'll get him in that position. I don't know what else it could be. What is Jarrett going to go do? Is he going to go manage the Springfield Lucky Horseshoe Minor League Baseball team? I don't think he's leaving WWE in some nice money, I'm assuming, to go manage a fucking minor league baseball team. Is he going to start up whatever he, uh, well, what was the wrestling promotion he had? Global Force Wrestling? He ain't starting up Global Force again, I'll tell you that. Is he going back to Impact? We're going to see him over on Impact Wrestling? Now let's be real, man. Who watches Impact Wrestling? <laughs> Nobody watches Impact, man. Get out of here, bro. Come on, man. You guys are some fucking comedians over there watching Impact Wrestling. Give me a break. You guys are just as bad as uh, the, the, the people that claim that Shawn Michaels is running NXT. <laughs> Not fucking comedians, man. I love you guys, man. You make me laugh. You make me laugh. Awesome. It's none of those things. I, I doubt it. He may end up in Impact Wrestling. I have no fucking idea if he still wants to be a part of it. Maybe, maybe the Ric Flair match was such an embarrassment that WWE wanted nothing to do with him. I don't know. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah, 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 double J, J-E-J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-F. Yeah, you go, you go work Ric Flair's last match. Man, God, have a blast. Have a ball, man. Do whatever you want. And then they really didn't want him to do that. And they let him wrestle anyway, and then now use that as grounds for termination. Yeah, you embarrass yourself. You embarrass the company by being a part of that. Everybody knows you with WWE. Get out! Imagine. I don't know. I have no idea, man. But listen, at the end of the day, it's probably just he doesn't fit with the current administration. Jeff Jarrett's no longer with WWE. Impact Wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's 17 people in attendance, man. It's a good show over there on Thursday nights, man. Nobody's watching. Shit sucks. Go find a new hobby. Anyway, moving on. You guys can't get my sarcasm, bro. I'm sorry. Somebody will clip it. Oh, look, JD's making fun of Impact. (laughs) Fuck out of here, man. Speaking of Impact... Sunil Dashwood, she may be on her way back to WWE. Now, I wouldn't mind her back. And we all know what Triple H loves, or thinks I should say, about women's wrestling. He loves women's wrestling. He wants to really make a focus on the women's revolution. So, Tennille Dashwood confirmed on Twitter that she is indeed a free agent. Her Impact Wrestling contract expired, which means that she could pop up anywhere in the coming days or weeks. Dashwood's tweet simply includes a a screenshot showing what the definition of free agent is, and she included the eyes emoji. Now, under her tweet, uh, you could see that uh, her boyfriend and current WWE superstar, Madcap Moss, added three eyes emojis as well. Now, again, we don't know where she will be signing, but if that's any indication, then Metcalf is going to have his woman join him in the locker room sooner rather than later in WWE. Again, we don't know if she will be signing with WWE, but it would only make sense for her to go to WWE or AEW 
and accept a deal from either one of those major promotions. See, even Tennille Dashwood didn't even want to be with Impact Wrestling and their six people in attendance. It seems that the door would be open for both companies for her to end up with, but uh, we will see what happens in the days and weeks to come. Now, WWE's door will uh, likely be open now with Triple H in charge. It more than likely would have remained closed with Vince McMahon being that uh, he wanted to turn her into Emelina, and that was uh, a failure of a gimmick. She didn't want anything to do with it. Vince wanted her to be something that she really is not, and they ended up firing her because she didn't, you know, live out what Vince McMahon's vision was for the Emelina character. Now, things are different. Triple H would bring her on in and use her as a professional wrestler because that's exactly what she is. She is a professional wrestler. Holy shit, we have a fucking super chat. An AED super chat, $17.99.99. Oh my goodness, this is a $500 super chat in American Emirates denominations. Holy shit. Abdullah. Oh my goodness, Abdullah. Big fan of yours for years. Keep up the good work. I would love to one day meet you and make an interview about wrestling. I have two questions. One about wrestling. Do you saw or know about all Japan pro wrestling and the pillars of all Japan pro wrestling of the 1990s? No, I do not. I wish I did, Abdullah. I wish I did to elaborate on your question a little bit more. Second question is not a wrestling question. Have you read or heard one of the piece... Manga comics. I pray your channel to expand. Abdullah is a fucking beast. Abdullah is a fucking VIP. Abdullah is drinking the good stuff, man. Whatever the fuck he wants. Get him the good stuff. Abdullah with a $500 super chat tonight on OTS. I I appreciate you, Abdullah. Listen, man, I can't answer your question. I'm not a fan of All Japan Pro Wrestling. I don't know anything about All Japan. And I don't read comic books, brother. I don't. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could answer your question for you. But I'm sorry, I don't. I have not heard or read any of the manga comics. But we love Abdullah here, man. Abdullah is in the VIP lounge. Go hit him up. Go sit VIP with Abdullah. Love you guys. Tennille Dashwood more than likely going back to WWE. Like I said, her boyfriend is Madcap Moss, so you know that's obviously a big proponent of her going where she wants to go. Uh, As far as uh, her wrestling ability, she is a veteran presence that would add a lot anywhere, anywhere Triple H wants to put her, NXT or the main roster. You know, she was absolutely a part of the women's revolution. This may be something that Triple H is thinking. She's a free agent out there. Let's bring her back. She was at the very beginning of the women's revolution. So I'd love to have her back and really kind of start building the revolution all over again and get those 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 pieces together and really make something out of this in my full-fledged run here as head of talent relations and head of creator. Gotta love it. So I'm excited about that, man. I think she's great. I always thought she's great. So we'll see what happens with that, but she may indeed be on her way back to WWE when all is said and done, and that is to Neil Dashwood. WrestleMania 39, they broke record ticket sales this week. Unbelievable. WrestleMania 39 breaks ticket sales record. 
WWE announced this week a record first day sale for tickets regarding WrestleMania 39 that will take place at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Over 90,000 tickets were sold within the first 24 hours of the of the show, more than any event in WWE history and a 42% increase over first day sales for WrestleMania 38, which took place at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. WWE Executive Vice President Paul Levesque revealed the numbers on WWE's Q2 2022 earnings call where the company announced it produced its most successful second quarter in history, setting records for revenue. And he went on to say this, and I quote, in nearly 40 years, we have never sold that many WrestleMania tickets that fast. With those record numbers, we are tracking towards sellouts with passionate fans at SoFi Stadium for both nights. WrestleMania 39 takes place Saturday, April 1st, and Sunday, April 2nd. That is next year in 2023. The event will stream live on Peacock, obviously in the United States, and the WWE Network elsewhere around the globe. Limited single and two-day combo tickets for WrestleMania can still be purchased through Ticketmaster if you guys are interested in going. And over the past 12 years, WrestleMania has generated more than $1.25 billion in economic impact revenue for cities that have hosted the event. This is incredible, man. You know, when uh, when people say WWE is hot, they were not at this level not even two or three years ago. Now, I don't wanna I don't wanna put all of this on the lap of Paul Levesque or the new guard, the new administration. You know, I'm certain that had something to do with it, and the buzz for WWE nowadays is a little bit more than it was well, a lot more actually than it was when Vince McMahon was there five weeks ago. I don't want to say it's all Paul Levesque, but, you know, it is WrestleMania. It is in Los Angeles. They always tout themselves as, you know, Hollywood and entertainment. And you're bringing the biggest pro wrestling show to one of the newest stadiums in all of the country, SoFi Stadium. People are excited to go watch WrestleMania. I don't know what the seating chart is going to look like from what I read online and from what I read at uh, at uh, the account on Twitter, WrestleTix. I believe the setup may be for 50,000, 60,000. Now, WWE likes to embellish another 10, 15,000. They'll probably do that. But realistically, they are on their way to selling out WrestleMania in literally a few weeks of announcing tickets officially going on sale. That's tremendous. They were having trouble selling night one and night two right before day of for WrestleMania this year in Dallas. So what's changed? Obviously, the city and location, right? East Coast, West Coast. Those are big markets. Those are big markets. Texas is a good market, but it's not like the East well, East, East Coast and West Coast. And then obviously, I do think that, you know, the Paul Levesque feel has people running out and generally excited for what is happening with WWE. Plus, you got the idea, and everybody's kind of cued in on it. Everybody kind of feels it in the air. Everybody's been hearing about it for years. You know, they want to get their tickets because the realistic possibility of it happening this year is very high. And if it doesn't happen this year, you know, it could certainly happen at 40, but he's only going to get older. He's going to be one year older than he is now. You know, everybody knows that WWE wants to do The Rock versus Roman. And if it happens at WrestleMania, people want to be a part of that because it is going to be the last match ever for Dwayne Johnson in a WWE ring, in a wrestling ring period. So I wonder how many 
people went out there and purchased tickets because of the possibility, the possibility of that. That's nowhere even close to being a confirmation. You're taking a huge gamble. But WrestleMania this year, I'll tell you what, man. Normally, normally WrestleMania season is the worst in all of WWE. The worst season in all of WWE. They, they, they put no effort into it. This year is going to be a different story. I said this a couple weeks ago. I can't wait for a Triple H WrestleMania season. TV has been better, noticeably better. And I can't wait to see what Triple H does booking a Royal Rumble, booking an Elimination Chamber, booking a WrestleMania. His WrestleMania season is going to be really fucking exciting. And I'm very much looking forward to that. But WWE broke record ticket sales, man. And this is what we talked about. You know, Tony Khan, you know, giving that Moxley and CM Punk match away on Dynamite, there's a couple of different things that, you know, could be the catalyst for making a decision like that. But, you know, when WWE makes an announcement like this and everybody's really feeling the momentum of WWE right now and they're, they're hot, they're hotter now than they were a month ago, two months ago, that definitely is something that Tony Khan is keeping an eye on. And this is a huge, huge deal. So, yes, it does have ripple effects everywhere. It definitely affects AEW in the way that they handle things. They may say, no, I'm not thinking about that. Yeah, they're, 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 their television shows are a little bit better, says Tony Khan. But, you know, at the end of the day, he doesn't want to be upstaged. And at the end of the day, he's going to put on the best product possible in order for people to really come out here and say, yeah, AEW, they're stepping up their fucking game. WWE may be hot, but Tony Khan is stepping up his game. So we'll see what happens with WrestleMania season, man. I am very excited to see a Triple H WrestleMania season this year. Speaking of their biggest events of the year, WWE hosted SummerSlam in Nashville, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium. This year's WWE SummerSlam created such a big buzz and was such a huge success for the company as it had strong attendance figures and the buzz for the show coming out of it was incredible, especially with Brock Lesnar doing what he did against Roman Reigns in that last man standing match. We saw that wild brawl, Lesnar lifting the ring with the fucking crane, sending Reigns rolling down it. Reigns obviously went on to retain the title, defend it, and retain it against Lesnar. And WrestleVotes reported this week that Nashville, Tennessee, is the current frontrunner to host next year's SummerSlam event. They state, and I quote, sources state, WWE was beyond thrilled with how Nashville turned out as the host city for SummerSlam a few weeks back. The city is on the short list of cities to host the event again next year. Decision is expected in early 2023. As previously reported, WWE is changing its strategy for premium live events with how the location of these events are determined. Now, what is that new mentality in WWE? We're getting this premium live event coming up Labor Day weekend with Clash of the Castle in Cardiff. Now, when that show was announced, some fans were surprised that the company didn't take their show into the United Kingdom, into London. Instead, they went to Cardiff. During Wrestling Observer this week, Meltzer was recapping the WWE second quarter 2022 earnings call. He noted that on that call, it was mentioned that Clash of the Castle is taking place in Cardiff due to the city paying the company for the event. Meltzer stated that WWE is changing its strategies for major events in the future and will try to have cities bid on other big events such as SummerSlam and the Royal Rumble. They also mentioned that with Cardiff, not only are they getting ticket revenue, 
but the city of Cardiff is paying for them to come in, which is probably why they went to Cardiff and not London for this big show. They're working on, for the biggest shows of the year, to do what they do for WrestleMania, which is essentially put them up for bidding from these specific cities. So say you want SummerSlam. Say you want the Royal Rumble. Instead of WWE going to Houston, Texas for the Royal Rumble, because they feel like it's a market where they can easily sell 30, 40,000 tickets at a stadium, they will still be doing a stadium. But they want the city to pay them to bring them in because they're bringing tourism and things like that to the city. The idea is for the big shows going forward, and this is their attempt, and this is what they're going to try and do, where the local government pays them to come on in. I think it's a great move. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think it's an absolutely fantastic move for WWE. They know what they have. You run major markets. You run these big stadiums, especially with the flagship shows. WWE is usually hitting a home run in all those stadiums. They do so much, so much activity for those stadiums. So much activity for those stadium shows. So much activity for those, those weekends. WWE is not only invading those cities for the weekend. You have to think. That wherever WWE does these live events, these big stadium shows, every single wrestling market descends on that city. Every major independent promotion, every smaller independent promotion wants a piece of that pie. So it's not only with WWE, it's also with WWE and everybody piggybacking off of them coming into the city. WrestleMania is WrestleMania. It happens every single year. You get, you know, spring break Joey Janela, and you get all these indie shows, and you get these conventions and all this shit. It's not just WWE descending upon these cities. That adds to everything that WWE is saying, yeah, we bring to this city. It's also bleeding into the independent circuit as well, and getting all those wrestlers, all those fans, all that market into that same city. Look at SummerSlam this year. Look at how big. SummerSlam weekend was not only for WWE, but for the indies. StarCast. Ric Flair's last match did 9,000 in attendance. Plus, that's no joke. It's nothing to scoff at. So yes, WWE asking for cities to bid on their shows is a great deal. I love it. I don't know why anybody would think this is a bad move. And it should be. For those big premium live events, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, your marquee events, those marquee events that you know 
You can't do wrong. Everybody loves the Royal Rumble. Everybody, everybody wants to go see WrestleMania, right? Everybody loves SummerSlam. Survivor Series is a little, uh, a little iffy there, Survivor Series. They need some work on resuscitating Survivor Series, money in the bank, right? They wanted money in the bank at uh, Raider Stadium in Las Vegas. They had to move it. They had to move it into the more intimate MGM Grand, and they sold 12,000 tickets like that. Who's to say they don't try that again next year, and this time give it a little bit more breathing room, they'll sell it out. I think that's a great move. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, bigger cities, bigger emphasis on WWE getting paid. Maybe some different cities where I can actually go to a WWE show and meet you guys. I think that'd be great. I think that would be awesome. Speaking of the conference call, the WWE's quarterly conference call and revenue meeting, Stephanie McMahon, obviously, CEO, she addressed the return to WWE returning as co-CEO with Nick Khan after taking a leave of absence on the quarterly conference call this past week. So during the financial earnings call with shareholders, Stephanie McMahon commented on, on her return, a new position. She started by bringing up her work history with the company from modeling merchandise to her other roles within the company. I've worked my entire life for this business. I love this business. I took a leave of absence, realizing that I needed a little bit more time with my family, given the grueling schedule in nature. I got about three weeks, which is a lot more than a lot of other folks get. I was not forced into returning as CEO and chairman in the interim position I was offered. That was an opportunity for me to come back and be a part of this company that I love and have the opportunity to lead this company. You know, there's a lot of bullshit and a lot of lying during these quarterly conference calls. She said that she needed a little bit of time with her family, which may be the case, but it's not really the reason why she stepped away. She stepped away because she knew that shit was going to come down hard on her father, and she wanted to get out of the public spotlight. And she says she got about three weeks, which is a lot more than other folks get, And I was not forced into returning as CEO and chairman in the interim position I was offered. Of course you were. Of course you were. Who was going to run the company? Vince was not going to hand the company over to Nick Khan. Of course she was forced into returning. For the company to remain in the family, Vince was going to give it to Stephanie and Stephanie only. He was not going to give it to Paul Levesque. He was not going to give it to Shane McMahon, who's not with the company. Not going to give it to Linda. Stephanie was the only viable choice. So, yes, at the end of the day, she was forced into returning to the company to keep that company away completely, 100% from Nick Khan, who God knows what he would have done with it. That's another story for a different day. So, yes, Stephanie, she addressed her return to the company via the shareholders meeting today with stockholders on Wall Street, and that's what she said. Triple H was also on the call. He talked about focus, his focus as head of WWE creative. Triple H, discussing his role, said this in front of shareholders. The opportunity in front of us is massive. And as a great man once told me, first day on the job thinking. That's what we're doing here. First day on the job thinking. For me, I've been doing this for a long time from behind the scenes in creative 
from almost really the very beginning of my career here with WWE. I'm approaching it from the first day. What is working? What isn't working from the overall picture? All the day down to the smallest details and really trying to create from there. It all comes down to the same thing that it's come down to since the beginning. Creating iconic characters, putting them in amazing storylines and fantastic storylines. And whatever works for those characters, the best. And then running with it and watching how fans react to all that along the way. I think the opportunity is massive. It's an opportunity for us to not only engage with the stars we have for our fans, but to create new stars as well as create the platform, an opportunity for them to become bigger than anything we've seen prior to it. You gotta love Paul Levesque's driven mentality to create new stars and to take stories, create iconic characters, create them, and put them in amazing storylines and fantastic storylines so that we, the fans, it's an opportunity for us to engage. I love it. So that's his vision. Obviously, you know, it's uh, public uh, relations mumbo-jumbo. It's uh, Triple H being, you know, suit and tie Triple H for the day. What else did you expect him to say? But I think anybody watching these shows can honestly see, hopefully, if you're not a fucking dumbass, you can honestly see the change that has been implemented in WWE since he has taken over now three weeks in as head of creator. And there is an obvious change to the show. It's not drastic, but there is an obvious change to the show. So I'm loving everything that's going on around. It's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. WWE did announce their financial outlook so far for the second quarter. Revenue was $328.2 million, increase of 24%. Operating income was 69.3, increase of 50%. Return capital to shareholders totaling $19.1 million, including share purchases and dividends paid. Each WWE premium live event, WrestleMania, WrestleMania Backlash, and Hell in a Cell, was the most viewed event in its history with year-over-year increases of 60%. 49% and 45% respectively in domestic unique viewership on Peacock. That's probably just due to the fact that Peacock has more subscribers, paid subscribers than anything that WWE had on the network. WWE, in connection with Fox's blockchain Creative Labs, launched its inaugural NFT sale on Moonsault, the company's official NFT marketplace, the limited edition collection, which was tied into the Hell in a Cell event, sold out within 24 hours. WWE announced its second next-in-line class of 15 college athletes, further enhancing the company's talent developmental program. WWE is moving away from the next-in-line program. It's still going to be a thing, but it's not going to be the one thing that they focus on to get incoming talent into the WWE. It it was reported that the next-in-line program, SummerSlam weekend in Nashville, was a complete disaster with injuries riddling the entire event. And WWE not really finding anybody that really stood out as WrestleMania breakout talent. Everybody thought it was going to be indies. The indies were going to be a part of it. Apparently, it was not. Apparently, the next major event where they have an NIL training program or NIL camp to scout talent, it will be changed from what we saw in Nashville. And WWE only signed 
15 college athletes from that two-day event. The last NIL program they did, they hired more than 50. So that is not good for the next in-line program. In July, WWE launched a new enhanced digital platform for e-commerce and licensed merchandise in connection with its long-term partnership with Fanatics. Lots of good news to come out of there. So if you're a numbers guy, that is all the numbers from the quarterly conference call, second quarter 2022 earnings for WWE. Going back to what Triple H said, man, there was a report about Triple H possibly bringing back TV 14 or WWE going TV 14. Obviously, this this has taken another turn because Triple H is now in charge. He wants to obviously put his best foot forward with WWE as head of talent relations and head of creative. But the talk of WWE going TV 14 has cooled in recent weeks, and now the discussion has been brought back up again. In July, it was reported by Andrew Zarian of the Matt Man podcast that there were plans for Monday Night Raw to become a TV 14 show. He wrote, starting July 18th, WWE Raw will have a TV 14 rating moving forward on the USA Network. And Zarian said the PG era is over. Now, that was obviously when Vince McMahon was still in charge. And I said then, and I'm going to say it now, it doesn't matter if Vince is in charge, Bruce is in charge, Triple H is in charge. TV 14 doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get better shows. Triple H has not given us anything TV 14 in the last three, four weeks, and the shows have been noticeably better. You don't need TV 14 to create better programming. It gives you a little bit more leeway, and I'll mention something here that fucking pissed me off big time on Tuesday night. Watching NXT Heatwave, and there were chants of, you fucked up, you fucked up, and something else along the lines of uh, asshole or something, something that was normally a LOL moment for a crowd to start chanting. So, NXT airs on the USA Network, and these two fan chants were bleeped out. They bleeped out the fan chants. I'm watching a pro wrestling show, and I love the fan interaction and the fan energy, and you're taking that away from me because USA Network doesn't want curse words on their their platform. It's the best part about watching a pro wrestling show. You're taking that away from me. You're taking that energy away from me. You're treating me like a fucking child. You want NXT, you want the WWE program to slightly push the envelope, but be in that boundary of not crossing it. You want it to be adult-themed. You want it to be somewhat family-orientated, but you also want it to be cutting-edge, and you want it to be a, a, a little bit more of an adult program. But here you are, here you are bleeping out fucking curse words that you would hear at any random wrestling show. That's what pissed me off twice in the same show. What am I watching? Am I watching NXT? Where these fan chants were fucking plentiful at Full Sail University? Or am I watching a fucking Nickelodeon program? Which one am I watching? I would prefer not to watch Nickelodeon. So Brian Alvarez gave one of the reasons why WWE wants the TV 14 rating. If you watch NXT on Tuesday night, NXT Heat Wave, there were several fan chants that were muted, but they would be allowed if the show got a higher rating than TV PG. Honestly, one of the reasons they want to go TV 14 was because 
They're sick of having to edit out these chants. WWE's product was targeted primarily at younger viewers in the early 90s. In the late 90s, the decision was made to change the rating to TV 14, which allowed them to do edgier storylines targeted more at teenagers and adults. Now, that's the attitude error. We're not getting women wrestling in fucking brown panties mud-flinging matches. We're not getting women in the crowd fucking flashing tits on screen. We're not getting fucking DX chop, uh, chop locks or uh, crotch chops on WWE television. We're not having Shawn Michaels fucking pull down his pants. You guys watched the D-Generation X A&E special. I thought it was great. We're not getting none of that shit. So if they want to go TV 14 just to alleviate the fucking show, uh, having them, you know, not bleep out these chants, I'm all for it. Nobody wants to see the risque storylines that came with the Attitude Era. You don't need TV 14 to put on a good show. But if you're actively going to take one of the biggest proponents of the show away from me, and that is fan reaction and emotion, then that's where I draw a line, and that's where I have a fucking problem. I would never in a thousand years censor the fans watching a show, especially on cable television. Now, I could see, obviously, Fox doing something like that because they're basic television. Everybody gets Fox. They're not going to allow that on fucking Fox 5 here in New York City. I get it. But USA Network? Give me a break, man. Never, never, never you would see Tony Khan bleep out fucking asshole or this fucking sucks, right? You would never see anything like that bleeped out on AEW television. You fucked up. You fucked up. You're taking the crowd out of the fucking show for me to watch at home because I can't be there. I want to hear and experience them. You do not need Attitude Era to write a good show. Triple H has already proven that to you. But if TV 14 means that, yes, let's make it TV 14. WWE. They reportedly have reached out to current AEW star who is under contract with the company. Now, since taking over as head of creative and head of talent relations, Triple H has been bringing back former WWE stars and looking to sign new talent as he revamps the main roster for his vision of what the product should look like. Karrion Cross, Scarlett Bordeaux, B-Fab, Dakota Kai, Hit Row, Minus, Swerve, Strickland, have all been brought back. We saw possibly Sarah Logan back on Friday night doing the Viking funeral with the Viking Raiders on Friday Night SmackDown as they did this Viking funeral for the New Day. Fightful Select reported this week that a source close to AEW told them a notable AEW talent under contract with the promotion reported to AEW management that WWE had reached out to them about coming back to the WWE. Now, that is a interesting choice of words. AEW star being courted by WWE to come back to the company. This talent made it clear that they were happy with AEW and wanted the higher-ups to know about this. The performer added that they didn't have a desire to leave AEW at this current time. The claim was that a member of WWE's talent relations department contacted the wrestler, and a source indicated that You know, they referred the call to their representation instead of speaking to them directly. So whoever this is said, yeah, speak to my management, speak to my uh, my lawyers, 
and they'll handle it for you and give you the answers that you need. Sources familiar with the situation told Feifel, there was no mistake. This performer was already under a full-time contract. Now, the talent in question is one of two people. One, I'm going to say Keith Lee. Keith Lee, you know, Triple H was fuming at the fucking gills when Keith Lee was buried by Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon put this guy in fucking bear claws. Ah, bear cat. Keith Lee, right? You think Triple H was sitting at home fucking, yeah, Vince, that's a great idea, man. Thank you for taking my guy and fucking making a mockery out of him. How many times, I'd love to ask Triple H myself, how many times did Keith Lee's name come up in bed with you laying next to Stephanie as she's there reading some Vogue magazine, getting sleepy before bed, and you're looking over at Steph? Honey, why does your father hate me? Why did he put Bearcat Keith Lee in that ridiculous outfit that he had wearing? Why did they change Keith Lee's theme music? Why did they put bear scratches and bear marks on Keith Lee? Honey? Honey, Keith Lee? Keith Lee? Why? Guy probably had fucking nightmares. Did the same thing with Karrion Cross, Honey? Karrion Cross? Why did they take Scarlet from Karrion Cross? Why did they put Karrion Cross? In a ridiculous-looking Halloween helmet that I could find on sale clearance at Home Goods, honey, why did they put a fucking a uh, gladiator outfit on him, honey? Why did they give him Steve Urkel suspenders? <laughs> you know, gave him suspenders. Did I do that, honey? Cross, why? I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Triple H laying in bed with Stephanie, asking about these fucking, these burials by his father-in-law. So the other performer I could honestly see it being legitimately, I don't want to throw any, any you know, negativity at him. We love him here. We love Swerve, right? We love Swerve Strickland. I guarantee you that Triple H told his fucking talent relations department, yeah, you know, I see what Swerve is up to, man. I got his boys back. I got top dollar, bottom dollar, dollar tree over here. I got him back. I got him back. I got B-Fab back. I got Ashanti Adonis back. Let's see if Swerve wants to come on back. Check out his contract status, man. Oh, H, Tony Cox, on to five years. Yeah, I don't give a shit what TK said. Go, go check him out. See if he wants to, uh, see if he wants to talk. It may be Swerve. You know, quite the coincidence that Hit Row just made it back to television and all of a sudden we get this report. A current AEW star was axed back to the WWE. Who is it? Who is it? Well, Hit Row coming back to television, I find it very weird that all of a sudden we get a AEW star all of a sudden getting axed to come back to the WWE. Not a good look for Triple H, bro. Not a good look for Triple H. Yes, he's cutthroat. Yes, he is uh, going to play the game. But uh, clearly a decision like that in the talent relations department came from the head of talent relations. Listen, bro, Swerve didn't want to come back to shit row. He's fine as AEW tag team champion with Keith Lee. Coincidentally, honey, why is Keith Lee and Swerve tag team champions over in AEW? Honey, Probably still asking Steph. 
the fuck is going on? Why does TK have my towel? Honey! Somebody that he actually may get back and he doesn't have to tamper with their contract. Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano may be interested in coming back to the WWE. Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net. He reported this this week, in fact, about Gargano being open to return to the WWE now that Triple H is in charge of creative and is interested in taking, or talking rather, uh, and taking steps to get back there and talking to him to see how things would be changing. The report noted that Gargano wasn't a fan of the schedule, especially now that he's a father, but the overarching factor for him walking away was dissatisfaction with his position slash direction with no set plan for how he'd be used. It's always one of the two C's, folks. Sometimes it's both C's. It's either cash or creative or both. Johnny Gargano just wants to work. He wants to work. He wants to obviously make what he believes he needs to be making. And he wants to be home with his kid. This is the life of Johnny Gargano. Now, you can't fault him for wanting that. At least, at least give him some fucking direction on what he's going to be doing. They couldn't even do that for him. Their, their mentality was, oh, we don't give a fuck about Gargano. What, what, what does Gargano want to know what he wants to do? He sees the fucking writing on the wall. Let him piece the fucking goddamn puzzle together himself. Their entire priority list didn't include Johnny Gargano. They, their entire priority list, the only thing on their fucking minds was how to continue to ruin NXT. How do we continue to kill NXT? How do we continue to kill black and gold? How do we continue to erase the legacy of Triple H? That's all they wanted to do. Gargano? Fuck out of here. They weren't, they weren't interested in pushing Johnny Gargano. Give me a break. Johnny Gargano was the furthest thing from their mind. So now he is obviously looking at Triple H running the main roster. He sees how good Tommaso Champ has been treated on the main roster. This may give him the idea of, hey, maybe I could fit in and do the same thing as my buddy and feel good about coming to work because Triple H is here and Triple H is never going to do us dirty. And Triple H does not want Johnny Gargano to end up in AEW. He doesn't. That may, the, that may be the biggest factor of all. Johnny Gargano ending up in AEW, Triple H would absolutely never, never allow that to happen. Unless Tony Khan is going to open up the fucking vault and write Gargano a blank check for whatever he wants. It's not going to happen. Now, AEW is in Cleveland. We could see Johnny Gargano as early as this Wednesday. Who knows? Tony Khan loves debuting somebody like a Gargano in his home city of Cleveland. That I do think he's going to end up back in WWE. I do. There's no reason for him to not want to go to WWE. His best friend is there. Candice LeRae may be brought in. You know how Triple H loves women's wrestling. He wants that revolution to thrive because it was fucking killed from Vince McMahon. They did nothing to honor the, 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 the respect of the revolution that Triple H and Stephanie had brought forth in NXT. So with Johnny, we may end up getting Candace back. With Candace and Johnny back on the road, it may be a little bit easier of a life for them instead of Johnny being away from Candace or Candace going to sign with somebody else and then Johnny signing with WWE. He may end up bringing them both back 
That may be in actuality the the negotiating tactics of Johnny Gargano. Listen, I want to come back, but I can't come back if my wife and my kid are not here. It may act. It may actually take that for Triple H to get Johnny Gargano back, and I think that's an easy enough thing to do. But I do see Gargano back in the WWE. Very easy to write. Very easy to write. Miz, he turns his back on Champa. He breaks it off with Champa, betrays Champa. Whoever uh, Miz may be aligned with after this, because he's always got some fucking lackey with him. Maybe we get Tommaso Champa bringing back his best friend, and John. In comes Johnny Gargano, and they get DIY back together. I think that would be the perfect opportunity for Johnny Gargano to make his debut on the main roster in WWE. DIY would be the absolute best use of Johnny Gargano right now to resurrect a dead tag team division. I think that would be great. Two months ago, we're talking about Johnny Gargano going to AEW, and that's where he may have ended up. NXT 2.0 doesn't fit him, and with Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard running fucking nightmares on the main roster, he would have been buried as soon as he stepped foot in the company. They didn't want somebody like that. Gargano is not the type of guy that Bruce and Vince love to push. But Bruce and Vince, Bruce is out. He's not running creative anymore. Vince is completely out. So in walks Gargano, and he's got a major player vibe to him immediately under Triple H. That's where he's going. NXT UK talent. Earlier this week, they were worried about the future of the brand. Come to find out, NXT UK is finished. Folded up. Goodbye. They use nice little calm, easy keywords like going on hiatus. It's done. It's finished. Going on hiatus is what they said officially. And now born of this new move is NXT Europe. So NXT 2.0. We had the Heat Wave show, which was very decent for NXT standards. NXT 2.0 standards, I should say. We saw WWE bring in stars from the United Kingdom like Tyler Bate, Blair Davenport, a.k.a. B. Priestley, Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey, Wolfgang, which I believe all three of those guys are getting new names. WWE wrote up an article on the Gallus Boys, did not mention any of them by name, so more than likely they will be getting new names for their permanent appearances on NXT 2.0. And this is all setting up a World's Collide event between NXT 2.0 and NXT UK, or what is left of NXT UK. So you can see how things are taking shape. Blair Davenport versus Mandy Rose. You got Diamond Mine versus Gallus. You got Tyler Bate versus Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. Or I, I don't know if they're merging the titles or if both titles are on the line. I don't, I don't know what's going on. It may just be a show that includes nothing more than brand versus brand. So I don't know what they're doing with the championships. If they're all going to work full-time on the NXT 2.0 show, I can't imagine these titles are going to be on NXT 2.0. Then everybody, basically the entire show has fucking titles all over. You don't want that. That's a terrible look. So whether we get those titles to go away or they unify all these championships and really make one title for everybody, we'll see what happens with that. But Dave Meltzer noted on this week's Observer that several NXT UK stars were not called over 
to the United States, and they were worried about the future of the brand. This was, this was obviously before the announcement was made. I've been asked this a lot this week. What is going on with NXT UK? Nobody knew before this announcement. But everybody in the company, I'm sure Paul Levesque knew, but there were many people in NXT UK who are presuming that NXT UK is not long for this world. So Meltzer brought up the NXT 2.0 stars, noticing that the NXT UK talent being used, and there are more NXT UK stars on the way to the United States to appear, to appear on television. NXT UK had canceled its next two set of tapings. All further tapings for the, for the show have been canceled. There are all these signs, but WWE did not announce it to anybody officially before this week's corporate announcement. That's kind of the big story in WWE right now. What is going on? They told nobody. You don't need to worry. Nobody said that either. So they just let this develop into worry. And then all of a sudden, we got this announcement about NXT Europe. Then we got a list of all these people that were released with 30-day non-compete clauses because that's the norm in NXT. There were releases, and the following names were released. Flash Morgan Webster, Wild Boar, Jack Stars, Mark Andrews, Amale, Emilia McKenzie, Kirsty Bosley, who was the ring announcer, Dave Mastiff, Ashton Smith, Shaw Samuels, Nina Samuels, Sam Gradwell, Danny Luna, Primate, Rohan Raja, Kenny Williams, Amir Jordan, Trent Seven was released. Sid Scala. Eddie Dennis, T-Bone, Teoman, Zaya Brookside, and Saxon Huxley. All were released. Now, Trent Seven was quite the surprise there when I read that later in the week. I went live with this shit on Thursday. I didn't see Trent, Neve- Trent Seven's name in the list of talent. He must have been released somewhere between Friday, Saturday, and today. So, I did read that WWE's keeping the door open for some of these talents. The door open is going to be the door open is going to be left open there for them to come back on and uh, almost like what they did during the pan- pandemic when several talents or you know team members backstage producers backstage correspondents all that stuff they were furloughed during the beginning stages of the pandemic with the opportunity if WWE wanted to bring them back they'd be brought back but none of these men and women were furloughed they were outright just let go with thirty day non compete clauses which means to me that if NXT Europe is getting started in early 2023, I don't know what early 2023 really entails. We got August, September, October, November. You would think that possibly January they get things started. I don't know what early 2003 is. We could see this develop into going into February, March, you know, April, May, June. Early 2003 could realistically mean the first half of 2023. So they may not even be anywhere close to being ready about launching NXT Europe. And if they were close and the plans were already in place and it was going to happen sooner rather than later, I don't think they would have fired all these names. They would have given furloughs to a couple of people that they do have interest in bringing back. And that was not the case here. But a lot of people are looking at this as a bad thing. NXT Europe was announced. Shawn Michaels is going to be running NXT Europe. He's going to be the man in charge. This was all, this was all reported by foxnews.com. They are looking to expand 
NXT UK into NXT Europe. The story noted that WWE will, will create NXT Europe and it will launch in 2023. They want to reimagine the brand and the talent pipeline with a renewed focus on Europe. NXT UK will go on hiatus for a few months and WWE plans on running a premium live event titled Worlds Collide, which will take place on Sunday, September 4th at 4 p.m. That's right before the uh, all-out pay-per-view. The first tease for NXT, NXT UK matches happened this week, as I just previously mentioned. Shawn Michaels is going to be running this thing. He continued to say this, and I quote, Given the success of NXT UK, we felt like it was time to expand beyond that. He also stated that the plan is to launch NXT Europe bigger and better. I remember all the times we went to Germany. It was off the charts. Just fantastic. But I don't know. I would love to kind of go to Venice, Italy. That's just me. But look, with WWE and NXT, we just want to go and represent our brand across the world. I certainly have some favorite places I would like to go. Paris, France would also be very cool to me. He's going to be leading the developmental of talent and creative. That's what Shawn Michaels, basically Shawn Michaels got a promotion. Which in turn makes me wonder if Shawn Michaels is going over there to focus on that brand, who's going to be running NXT 2.0? Because realistically, Shawn Michaels now anyway, you know, could be looked at as the guy to run NXT 2.0. He was not running NXT 2.0 at all. This was all Bruce Pritchard. Shawn Michaels was just a puppet. Shawn Michaels tried to die down the flames not too long ago saying, well, if NXT 2.0 sucks, it's all on me. No, I'm not going to blame you. I'm blaming Bruce Pritchard. Shawn Michaels had nothing to do with NXT 2.0. Give me a fucking break. It still feels like a Bruce Pritchard show. Heatwave did not feel like a Bruce Pritchard show because Bruce Pritchard would not think outside the box about bringing in Tyler Bate and NXT UK talent to come on in to the company and appear on the show the way that they did. But I love this. NXT UK, you know, I don't know who out there watched NXT UK. It was not really given a lot of promotion from the company. I, I know I didn't really watch it at all. I watched when there was a great match, like the Dragunov and, and, and Walter match, Gunther. They had two absolutely fantastic bangers. Obviously, you got your Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate matches. You got your Tyler Bate and Walter matches. You got your Mustache Mountain and Grizzled Young Veteran matches with Mark Andrews and uh, whoever, uh, Flash Morgan Webster. I mean, go back and watch the NXT TakeOver Cardiff show. Fucking tremendous. Tremendous. That's when NXT was really at its peak, and then it kind of transformed into the UK scene. I thought it was incredible. The UK tournament was great. Everything about it was great. I loved a lot of the talent that came over to really compete on NXT UK and in that UK tournament. But you could see where WWE's value lies in everybody that they released and who actually made it to television. Now, we don't know what happened to Ilya Dragunov. Apparently, he went out with an injury. He for uh, forfeited the title, vacated the title, and now uh, he is without a home. I can't see WWE letting him go. He's going to be right back in the States. He's going to be on NXT UK 2.0. He's going to be on NXT uh, 2.0, not NXT UK 2.0. God forbid. If it was Bruce, he probably would have did that. NXT 2.0, I could see him right back on NXT 2.0. Same thing with Mako Satomura. She is the NXT UK champion, women's champion. WWE's not letting either one of those people go. So Mako will probably be back over here, and so will Ilya Dragunov. 
But who really watched NXT UK? Probably a money loser for WWE. No promotion, no hype. They didn't really give a shit about the brand. It was just there. It just existed. Five, six years. How long did it exist? It had such great momentum because of what Triple H was doing with black and gold. And then as soon as NXT's priority was to beat AEW, nobody really paid attention to NXT UK. It got banished to Thursday afternoons on the network at 3 p.m. Nobody cared. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is going to kill the independent UK scene over there in the country. Their independent wrestling scene is going to be slaughtered due to WWE taking over all of Europe. I'm sorry. To me, all of this was planned to happen anyway. But Triple H had his feet buried in the creative of NXT, and he laid out the mapping process for what he wanted to accomplish with the NXT brand. Takeover was the priority. Take over Mexico, take over the UK, take over Japan, take over India. He wanted performance centers, take over Japan. He wanted... All these takeover spots, he wanted performance centers in all these major spots. It seems like we are now just picking up the pieces where they were left when they eradicated everything that Triple H created. Now he's back, and the plan is back in motion. You'd think that they named it TakeOver because it sounds cool. NXT TakeOver Phoenix, NXT TakeOver New York, NXT TakeOver Dallas. No, TakeOver. Triple H is not here to fuck around. Triple H is here to take over, and that plan is now back in place. I don't see how this is a bad thing. I don't see how this is a bad thing at all. WWE is now branching out to all of Europe. I don't know how well the independent scene is doing over there. I don't know who's over there. I don't know what promotions are over there. I mean, you got to be one real fucking huge-ass virgin mark if you can name me all the fucking independent promotions in the United Kingdom or all of Europe, who cares? Who cares? The way I look at it is this is going to open more doors and more opportunities for your favorite professional wrestlers to walk on into a WWE performance center, try out with Shawn Michaels to get on board with NXT UK or NXT Europe now being that NXT Europe is going to be the focus and the, the whole brand is going to be reimagined. Say, say one of your favorites is working the independent scene. He's a 10-year veteran over the United Kingdom. You want him to be working fucking bingo halls for the rest of his fucking career? You think that guy wants to be working fucking bingo halls? No, he wants to join the big leagues. So I don't see how this is a bad deal for the UK, Europe, independent professional wrestling scene. Everybody's going to be making more money. Everybody's going to be getting bigger opportunities. I don't see this as a bad thing at all. So as far as I'm concerned, this is all Triple H just picking up everything that Triple H had lost. Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard wiped it away. And here we are getting a reimagining of NXT Europe that was formerly NXT UK. And the other thing people aren't talking about is, look at all the talent that came over for NXT 2.0. This talent is going to be here regularly now. This is their new home. They are going to be relocated to Orlando, Florida. Tyler Bate, Bea Priestley, Mako Satamora, hopefully Ilya Dragunov, Gallus. This is some top-tier talent. Those are the biggest names and the brightest stars from NXT UK now working on NXT 2.0. 
This gives WWE two things to do. Number one, now with this influx of talent, it gives them a promotion to the United States, to the bigger show, to get spotlighted in front of a bigger audience. Meanwhile, WWE can now move up anybody that they want to the main roster. We've already talked about Santos Escobar going to the main roster. Tony D'Angelo is going to the main roster. Toxic Attraction may be going to the main roster. Before you know it, Tony D'Angelo is going to be going to the main roster. Braun Breaker is going to be going to the main roster. This gives WWE the opportunity to call up people, bolster the main roster, and not really have NXT left with nothing. Because there'll still be a huge plethora of talent still down there. And that's the main priority that we need to really fix here. The lack of roster depth on the main roster. And that's exactly what Triple H is doing with this move. Secondly, we may end up getting some essence of that black and gold that has been missing that NXT UK still kind of had. We may, be, we may still be getting some of that essence of the black and gold through all of the influx of talent coming over from the NXT UK brand. So we may be seeing a better product on Tuesday night and less of the cartoony fucking shit show circus that Bruce Prichard was running. We may get a better NXT product with all of this talent on Tuesday night. Something that at least gives me a, a taste of what NXT Black and Gold was inside Full Sail Universe. I think this is a great move. I think this is a great, great move. Mako Satomura has her own wrestling promotion in Japan that she's co-founded. She's not coming to the States, sorry to say. We don't know. We don't know that for sure. Triple H can offer her uh, X amount of money and she can come over to the WWE. We don't know. WWE doesn't want to let somebody like that go at all. But I think this is a great move, and I'm very excited to see what happens with this NXT UK, you know, disbanding and now being born into NXT Europe. It's going to be awesome. Let's check the chat, guys. we got 2,500 in the venue. I appreciate you guys. We need 17 likes. 17 likes for 1,000. Can you guys hit that thumbs up? And get me to a thousand minimum right now on OTS. Go and do that for me. And that helps out the channel tremendously, man. Seven new members tonight. I want to shout out my new members tonight, bro. We got Hooligrim with 22 months. Thank you, Hooligrim. Jonathan Spaulding and not really Larry with new memberships. And we got the Wolfness Way with 15 months. Thank you so much, guys. We got R.D. Alcorn, Larry Kemp, and Michael Evans, VA, with memberships and membership recommitments. Gentlemen, thank you so much. And we just hit 1,000 likes. Thank you, guys, very, very much for all your support. Remember, follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. And Cameo. And make sure you guys, like I said, get those memberships in. Get those Super Chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Once again, shout out to Abdullah with a $500 Super Chat tonight inside the Beer Garden on OTS. CM Punk, man. CM Punk. 
This story has gotten everybody's attention before Wednesday's huge AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. Moxley, Punk, world title, unifying the AEW World Championship. CM Punk showed up on Wednesday night, challenged Adam Hangman Page to a rematch on the August 17th episode of Dynamite. But according to the Wrestling Observer, it wasn't planned. Fightful was able to confirm this. Adam Page had nothing to do with the World Championship. Punk defeated Hangman Page at double or nothing earlier this year before being forced away from the ring for several months because of an injury that he caused himself by foolishly jumping into the crowd and breaking his foot. He did not relinquish the title. Tony Khan crowned John Moxley as the interim AEW world champ. Before that, however, there was word that Punk and Hangman didn't see eye to eye on some promo material that emerged on an episode of Dynamite that built to their match right before Double or Nothing. Fightful has been told that it was to the point that CM Punk met with AEW higher-ups about the context of Adam Page's promo. Voices of Wrestling had noted that they had heard that Punk had told others after the meeting in May that he would not lose to Adam Page. Now, you may read that and hear that and think, well, Punk is being a petty bitch. I don't think Punk had anything to worry about because the only reason why Punk was put in that match with Adam Page was for Adam Page to drop the title to CM Punk. CM Punk was going to be the world champion no matter how you look at it. So Punk could easily say, hey, I'm not losing to Adam Page, but realistically, I don't think anybody sat there thinking, you know, I don't think, I don't think Punk should uh, beat Adam Page. Of course he was going to beat Adam Page. That was the right creative move at the time. So Fightful was told by several within AEW that they felt the situation that unfolded on the August 17th episode, which was this past Wednesday, of Dynamite, was unfair to Adam Page because he wasn't aware of it. He wasn't aware of it. One said even if he was aware of it, what would he have done? Charge to the ring, run through Gorilla, and pass Tony Khan? Interrupted a promo that he wasn't supposed to be part of? There was no way Hangman could have won in that situation. Now, Fightful was told that Adam Page was in the building, but haven't heard that he responded in any particular way. There was a picture that was floating around on Twitter day of the show, right after that promo. John Silver posted a picture. Whether it was legit and in that moment, I don't know. John Silver of the Dark Order posted a picture of Adam Page eating what looked to be catering backstage while that promo was being cut by CM Punk. And John Silver says, well, Adam Page is currently busy at the moment, and he's there scarfing down catering. So there was no way Adam Page could have won in that situation. Now, he was in the building. And there was no way he would have responded in any particular way. Those that we spoke to said that Hangman isn't a confrontational person and is generally well-liked amongst the roster. The belief amongst several on the roster we spoke to was that Punk believed Hangman went into business for himself, leading into double or nothing, and that Punk may have seen the August 17th promo as a receipt. So Adam Page cut that promo 
in the build to their match without Punk being in the building. CM Punk felt like the August 17th promo with a live microphone back after a couple months from breaking his foot. He had to sit at home while he did this, right? Adam Page. Now he's back, and Punk felt like, I got a live microphone for the first time in a couple months. I'm going to see this promo as a receipt back at Adam Page where I couldn't get another word in because right after that, we had our match. So it's important to note that the locker room speculation, as this is locker room speculation, as opposed to Punk telling, telling everybody that directly. So the receipts part of this is nothing more than locker room speculation, but that's what the locker room was thinking. From Punk's end of things, there was a hangman promo that had alluded to Punk's issues with Colt Cabana, and that didn't sit well with Punk. We talked about this on Thursday. All of this probably had to deal with and stemmed from Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana, who is a very, very liked individual backstage in WWE. Boom, boom, Colt Cabana, right? Everybody loves Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana was not going to be brought back to AEW. He wasn't. They were going to let his contract expire, and they were going to let him walk. People stood up for Colt Cabana. People stood up for bringing him back. I don't know what had been said with CM Punk. Maybe Tony Khan was not going to bring him back because, honestly, let's be real, Tony Khan is bent over backwards to give CM Punk literally anything he's wanted. CM Punk is making easy, a cool four or five million per year in, in AEW. Something that he would never have been able to accomplish in WWE. Tony Khan is bent over backwards for CM Punk. Who's to say that Tony Khan had no interest in bringing Colt Cabana back because he of course, wants to appease CM Punk. So, Colt Cabana had a huge backing in the locker room. He's very good friends with the elite, executive vice presidents in AEW. They probably vouched for him more so than anybody else on top of the locker room feeling about Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana was the only other member outside of the elites who knew about the formation of all elite wrestling before that official announcement was made. That's how close Colt Cabana is with the elite. They brought him back. Now, Dark Order Colt Cabana has not been a thing. Colt Cabana is now, they said, banished to Ring of Honor. So he's got a job with them, but he's going to be with the Ring of Honor brand. He's got a job, but the fact that he's not on AEW television doesn't sit well with the AEW locker room that is against CM Punk. Because they feel like CM Punk's influence has made Tony Khan make this decision. Colt Cabana. We have locker room uneasiness and people reportedly reaching their breaking point because of fucking Colt Cabana. What is this, fucking high school? What are, what are we doing here? Petty, petty garbage. Tony Khan... At that point, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm laughing at this shit. Really? My locker room is uneasy, and my locker room is reaching a breaking point because he said, he said bullshit over cult fucking cabana. Now, listen, I get it. If CM Punk wants to wear his emotions on his sleeve, great. Fine. But I don't know what the fuck Colt Cabana has to do with anything CM Punk. 
I'm the same way as CM Punk. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You know exactly when I'm not liking something or pissed off or if I'm fucking not in the mood. You see it written all over me. CM Punk is the same way. But then we see CM Punk, you know, he's unhappy. He's threatening to walk out of the company, this and that, locker room unrest and people reaching their breaking point. I seen CM Punk posted something on Instagram about how grateful he is to be back best moments of his career. He's loving everything that's going on. He took a picture with Dax, and Dax played into the rumors. Yeah, this looks like a guy that looks really, really unhappy. CM Punk, and no matter what has been said about CM Punk, I don't understand how Colt Cabana and the issue with Colt Cabana would be a thing that gives this locker room uneasiness. And reaching a breaking point. Go about your business and do your shit. Don't worry about fucking Colt Cabana being there. You don't have to speak to them. You don't have to like them. Go about doing AEW and making sure that AEW is at the top of your priority list. That is why you are there and that is why you are being paid. This petty high school drama is fucking garbage. It is laughable. All over Colt Cabana because we can't get over the fucking pettiness of what happened between him and Punk. What does CM Punk have to be unhappy about? Threatening to leave the company. There was a rumor going around the locker room that CM Punk was threatening to walk out. Sources familiar with the situation claim that CM Punk has often verbally expressed his displeasure about things, including recently so blatantly that they thought he might end up quitting the company. Wow! Color me shocked! CM Punk walking out of a company, man. I haven't seen that one before. Those close to him said that he might have almost decided to stay home instead of coming to the August 17th Dynamite, but don't think he would have quit. We haven't been given any indication, says Feifel, that he plans on leaving AEW, but one veteran said they have heard of threats being levied. Now, something I want to throw out there to you guys about CM Punk and the match with Moxley being booked on Wednesday. It could possibly be, I'm not saying that this is, it could possibly be, because this wasn't a long-term thing. I think we have established that as well right now. This decision to do this match that was supposed to take place at All Out, and it's happening on Wednesday. This is not a long-term plan. Tony Khan didn't have this in the fucking plan for six weeks now. This was made as a last-minute decision. Was this match made in a last-minute decision because of the threats being levied by CM Punk? Did Tony Khan make this match on Wednesday to take the title off of Punk, and then he walks out of the company? I don't know. I, I I don't think so. I think by that time, cooler heads have prevailed. We're seeing pictures with, like I said, CM Punk and Dax. He's unhappy, right? Yeah, this is really a face of a man that's unhappy. And, and him praising AEW on Instagram with a fucking viral post on Instagram. He's not going anywhere. But that's the one thing that people have kind of thought about. Is Tony Khan booking this match to get the title off of Punk, put it on Moxley, and then he is free to do whatever he wants? But then I start thinking CM Punk is going to walk away from $5 million per. 
CM Punk is going to walk away from guaranteed money? That man is not that stupid. He's not. He's not going anywhere. CM Punk has made a huge financial difference to AEW. Has he made a ratings difference? No. He has not. Not since the first dance. And we saw that 1.2 million viewership on Rampage. I don't think AEW has even come close to that since then. Has CM Punk made a financial difference? Yes. Pay-per-view buys are up because of CM Punk. Everything is up. Gate numbers-wise is up. Live gate revenue and attendance is up because of CM Punk. Every single week, those shows are sold out because of guys like CM Punk. AEW shop broke down for days with CM Punk coming back. CM Punk has brought notoriety to AEW that would not have been achieved with anybody else. Tony Khan has put it on the lap of CM Punk as being the biggest financial get that AEW could possibly ever see in its entire lifetime. CM Punk has made an absolute difference. Not in the ratings, though. Not in the ratings. We're getting this match on Wednesday night. Moxley and CM Punk. I said this on Thursday. If AEW, with all this hype, with all this hype, if AEW fails to reach 1 million plus viewership on Wednesday night, that is a terrible, a terrible sign. I don't know what Tony Khan is going to do if he doesn't get a million viewers. Now, one of the things that we talked about could potentially take the title of Punk and let him walk. He's not walking. It's not walking away. Match was made in a hot shot fashion. You know, ratings sweeps season is coming up. In the next couple of months, AEW will be sitting down with Warner Media to discuss new TV rights deals. They want to present their last quarter of ratings to Warner Media to go into that meeting and present to Warner Media executives AEW's last quarter. Look. I was dealing with all this during the summer, but look at us, full strength. We're back. Did Tony Khan make a last-minute decision? Because this is going to now change the entire aspect of the story he's trying to tell here. And starting with this on Wednesday, was this made in an effort to really boast about a huge rating on Wednesday night for AEW? All because of upcoming recent TV negotiation rights deals. I don't know. It's a possibility. But CM Punk, threats being levied, unhappy, locker room unrest, people reaching their breaking point. The fuck does CM Punk have to complain about? CM Punk has been treated like a fucking king since he's been brought back. He's gotten wins over every major name that this company has thrown in front of him. Darby Allen, MJF, you name it. You name it. He's had some of the best moments in all of AEW history. Some of the best matches in AEW history. Adam Page, still people he has not worked with yet. Malachi Black, Andrade, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, for fucking Christ's sake. Where the fuck is he going? He ain't going anywhere. Give me a fucking break with this shit. He's not going anywhere. 
And what the fuck does he have to be unhappy about? His first fucking year in the company, making $5 million per, easy. Biggest merchandise seller in the history of the company. Not working for Vince McMahon. One day a week they have him show up to work. This guy can go and do whatever the fuck he wants. He's the fucking world champion after a year. He's the face of the company. The fuck does he have to be unhappy about? Fightful was also told that Moxley and Punk was a last-minute decision. So they confirmed that being a last-minute decision. Now, P.W. Torch and Wade Keller, he has his sources, and he chimed in on all this as well. Wade Keller confirmed the reporting on the heat between CM Punk and Adam Hangman Page. Keller says that Punk going into business for himself is accurate, on Wednesday. But there are people in AEW who believe that this situation could be turned into a storyline at some point. Keller said, and I quote, somebody I talked to said that the wrestlers in general do not feel like it is beyond Tony Khan and others to do another work shoot type of storyline. And he just said that he didn't think that that was the case here. So let me, let me say, let me say this. If Tony Khan is working the locker room again, he already, he already got shit for working the locker room with MJF. All that shit was a work. There, there might have been legitimate gripe there with, with MJF and AEW and him not getting paid, which I believe all to be legit. But the entire thing about him walking out, not doing the fucking autograph signing, and then him and uh, the promo and all this other shit, everything was an elaborate work. Tony Khan did not tell anybody He didn't tell anybody. He just let the locker room go into it thinking that, holy shit, this guy really did walk out. Holy shit, this guy did really book a fucking red eye out of Las Vegas. He's going back to New Jersey. Then there's rumors that MJF is quitting AEW, asking for his release. He wants to go to WWE. They worked everybody so badly that they had them thinking that all of this was legit. And nobody fucking knew, not even people on the fucking team that Tony Khan had knew about anything. The only people that knew were Tony Khan and MJF. That was it. And whoever booked MJF's flight, which I'm assuming was MJF, or it had to be Christopher Daniels, somebody. I'd give maybe a handful of people, five people in total probably knew what the fuck was going on. How can you work the locker room so badly and then complain that, oh, people don't want to be there. There's locker room unrest. There's uneasiness. People are reaching a breaking point. People are reaching a breaking point not because of fucking Colt Cabana. They're reaching a breaking point because Tony Khan is withholding information from everybody and again putting himself in a situation where everybody thinks this possibly could end up being a fucking shoot turns into a work. There may be some gripe there with CM Punk. I don't doubt there to be about Cabana and Paige. So what? Number one, get them in a room, hash it out, be a fucking boss. You're the boss, man. Hash it the fuck out. Stop being fucking buddy-buddy, best friends with them. Yeah, I'll go take you out and buy your white claw. Sit them down and have them act like men, shake hands, 
You don't have to fucking love each other. You don't have to get on your knees and suck each other's cock. Just get to business. Coexist in the locker room. Hi and bye. How you doing? Kids are all right? Fine. Go fuck yourself. I'm going over here. But you gotta hash it out. Tony Khan, at the end of the day, has to be a boss. Tony Khan, at the end of the day, needs to sit everybody down. Everybody. Not just Punk, Hangman, and Colt Cabana. Everybody. And tell them, hey, this is what the company's doing. I don't want to withhold information from anybody. I don't want to hide anything from you thinking that things are uneasy, that's going to develop into a fucking avalanche of people not wanting to be there and not trusting management. Everybody withheld the information about Brody Lee. Everybody knew about Brody Lee, right? Not one single thing was said about Brody Lee. Sit them down. You want to fucking do something that's going to generate the buzz like MJF did during Double or Nothing, or what this is doing now, have everybody sign an NDA. Sit them down. Hand out NDAs. You are not allowed to say anything about this. If you are, you are fined and suspended. You cannot go and treat this like some fucking amateur hour, WCW on its last legs. You can't do it. Get everybody in the room. Let the entire roster know what the fuck is going on. Because I don't want AEW to fail. I don't want AEW to come off looking like fucking amateur hour Little League. And I want everybody to be happy. That's what I want. Happy roster means happy fans. Happy roster means better shows. Happy roster means more money for Tony Khan. That's what I want. But you can't sit there and fucking... You know, go about working the boys in the locker room. You want to work the boys? You may work them out of the fucking company, and they may be in Triple H's fucking locker room before all is said and done, and that's something you don't want to do. Keller continued. But he said, just keep that in the back of your mind, that even if there is a beef, they might think, hey, let's amplify this. Let's turn this into a thing. And so... He was sort of like, let's see how things play out. And once we understand why the Punk Moxley match was put on early and all that, let's see how this plays out because it might turn out like, yeah, there was something there, but then they extended and amplified it beyond the point of resolution because they thought it would be believable and create a buzz. Which I do think. I do think that this is the case. 100%. Keller also gave details on Punk's demeanor backstage at Dynamite. Fightful reported that there was talk about Punk possibly not showing up on the show. Punk's Dynamite segment wasn't advertised until 7 p.m. Eastern. Keller said, I can report that Tony Khan went into Punk's locker room and spent a decent amount of time with him one-on-one Wednesday afternoon. I can also report, sounds like a miserable guy to me, right? I can also report that Punk did not seem agitated or distracted. Or not his usual self right before Dynamite started. It didn't seem like anything was on his mind or that it was a stressful day or anything like that. He was totally going through the normal motions. So there is just a couple of contextual things there. If CM Punk met with Tony Khan and did not 
throw that jab at him. Hey, TK, listen, I'm going to throw this jab out at Adam Page. And he did it on his own, and he went legitimately off the script, no pun intended, and used that promo as a receipt. Tony Khan, again, needs to be a boss and not, I, I wouldn't say punish or, or, or uh, slap CM Punk on the wrist with a fine or anything like Talk to him. Bro, listen, I am trusting you out there to do the right thing, yet you're taking the fucking microphone and you're burying innocent people in the locker room to fit your own narrative and your own agenda. We don't do that here. Everybody is equal. Yeah, you're CM Punk, but you just can't go out there with a fucking live microphone and bury somebody who I just had as world champion before I gave you the world championship, bury him on live TV without him having having no recollection of what's going on. Can't do that. Can't do that. Or this entire thing was a work from the fucking word go. That Tony Khan went into that locker room to discuss what CM Punk was going to talk about, and they threw Adam Page under the bus And if they didn't tell Adam Page, that's another fucking problem. But if Adam Page was in on all this, it would not surprise me at all. Dave Meltzer, he talked about all the reports about Punk's call out on Dynamite, uh, catching everybody off guard, and was completely off script. But Meltzer went on to describe what sounds like a much bigger issue. He said there's a ton of drama backstage involving many top guys that have gotten Much worse in recent weeks, for the reasons that I just told you. Things need to be fixed. Tony Khan needs to involve everybody and let everybody know what the fuck is going on. Meltzer even suggested that Tony Khan might need to sit everyone down to air everything out before it gets even worse. The big thing that was said to have all this set off was Colt Cabana. Given the history between Punk and Cabana, Cabana ended up disappearing from AEW and was going to be cut before people jumped in. Khan kept him on board, gave him another contract, and put him on Ring of Honor. Meltzer added, it feels like a number of people are close to their breaking point if things don't get settled. Meltzer also wrote, currently the 9-4 pay-per-view, all out, sees Moxley and Punk again in the main events. This is the current plan. There doesn't appear to be a backup plan. This all fits into the narrative of Tony Khan working everybody, the boys and the dirt sheets included. Company needs to have an all-hands-on-deck meeting. All-hands-on-deck meeting, and I believe that to be the case 100%. And then Dave Meltzer drops this little fucking tidbit. MJF is back imminently. No shit! He's back imminently. Really. What are we doing here with this match on Wednesday? There's only two logical outcomes. Two. Two, John Moxley is not being kept off of All Out. There's no feasible way that John Moxley is missing All Out unless he is fucking injured and going to be out for an extended period of time. He is not missing All Out. You are not taking the title off of John Moxley to put it on CM Punk to have Punk go and defend it against MJF and leave Moxley off the fucking show. You do not do that to John Moxley. So that's not happening. There is only one logical outcome here. Either we get a triple threat match or we get nothing. We get triple threat with MJF involved or we get this match on Wednesday going into that pay-per-view in Chicago happening for a second time. That is it. Either way, that match on Wednesday is ending in a fuck finish. 
Either we get Moxley and Punk again round two, and this could be looked at as the start of a heel turn for CM Punk, or it could be playing into the idea of hot shot booking by Tony Khan. Yeah, let's do this match, and I'll do it again at All Out, and we'll use this as a ratings ploy, and we'll get generated buzz for Dynamite, and I'm going to use this for, you know, the storyline, and I'm going to use this for negotiations with Warner Media. It's either Punk Moxley or Punk Moxley MJF. You're not leaving Moxley off the fucking show. There's only two outcomes to this match. And MJF being in the news, and Dave Meltzer saying that MJF is back imminently, we are getting MJF back on Wednesday. That is my prediction. But are we being worked? Are we being worked? I I can't sit here and tell you there's locker room unrest because of Colt Cabana. There's no locker room unrest because of Colt fucking Cabana. There's locker room unrest because Tony Khan feels like he needs to work the boys in the locker room. Fuck working the boys. Let everybody in on what's going on. So everybody knows what to expect and they don't have to answer questions from fucking Sap and Meltzer and be fucking bothered for interviews. Hey, do you know what's going on? Hey, can you feel me on what's going on? It's a trickle-down effect. We may be in for a work completely. Go back and listen to everything that was said about CM Punk in every feud that he was in. What did MJF say about CM Punk? That he's come back and he's done this for himself and not AEW. What did John Moxley say on Wednesday? He's only back because his bank account was low. He don't give a fuck about AEW. What did Adam Page say about CM Punk? Adam Page said that he's trying to save AEW from him. It's not even about the world title. He's trying to save AEW from CM Punk. Because CM Punk basically is all about himself. What did Eddie Kingston say about CM Punk? There are a lot of people in that locker room that don't want you here. And I'm going to speak up for everybody that is afraid to speak up for themselves because of who you are. There is an entire locker room back there that does not want you here. We may be getting worked. And everything that we have seen unfold with CM Punk, he may be turning heel. We may be getting the fucking Chicago Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels incident in AEW. For all we know, Tony Khan is setting this up to turn fucking MJF into the goddamn savior of the company and win the world title from the evil CM Punk who has nothing but himself on his mind. MJF comes in as the holy shit white knight babyface to win the AEW world title from the two ex-WWE guys. Which in turn turns CM Punk heel, and we get heel CM Punk from this point on. Would not surprise me at all. CM Punk is a huge Bret Hart fanatic. Everything that CM Punk has done in this return has had a lot of Bret Hart influence. A lot. His in-ring stuff, some of the things that he does and says on the microphone. CM Punk has fucking given you Brett fucking teases everywhere. 
Who's to say the biggest fucking tease of all has been long-term booking in every feud he has been that has built up to that biggest Bret Hart influence where Bret turned his back on the United States and became one of the best heels in all of WWE history. Who's to say that's not the case? And who's to say that it doesn't happen in New York City, in Queens, at Grand Slam? Because it's certainly not happening in Chicago. It's certainly not happening in Chicago. I can't even fathom an AEW heel turn with CM Punk in Chicago. We may be setting up for a, a, a work here, a shoot that's turned, a little shoot that's turned into a work where the roles have been reversed. Because I said it for months. MJF and CM Punk, world title. MJF needs to beat CM Punk for the world championship. What if that's the case, but the roles are reversed? What if we get CM Punk being the heel and MJF coming back as the AEW savior and win the world title? I don't know. I don't know. And from that point on, and from that point on, we get CM Punk and we get FTR and we get Wardlow and we get MJF, right? Feuding with CM Punk and all these guys, right? And you get the elite. You get Adam Page. You play him into the storyline. Adam Page, Kenny Omega, the Bucks against CM Punk, FTR, and Wardlow. In a big fucking clash of AEW versus, you know, CM Punk. I mean, this is, this is unreal. And Kenny Omega, the rumor was, if that's the case, I wanted to throw that out there, you guys. You know, the rumor was with Kenny Omega coming back to television that they had this big storyline for him. Is that storyline the trio's championship? I don't think so. This may lead to Adam Page, CM Punk, and this entire thing being turned into a fucking work that was born from this fucking past week. We may get Adam Page, the Bucks, and Omega against CM Punk, FTR, and Wardlow. Just throwing that out there. Long-term booking. And we may have fucking been on this ride the entire time and not have even known it. It's crazy. I know I'm excited for it. I know I know Dynamite on Wednesday is going to be must-see television. I hope they kill it. Whatever CM Punk is doing, I wish him nothing but the best. Seriously. He's not going anywhere. And they really need to sit down, hash this shit out, and be men about it. Stop this petty high school drama bullshit. Can't be fucking having locker room uneasiness and locker room unrest and and people reaching their breaking point because of a grand scheme about to play out in front of our eyes on television. Let everybody in on it. That locker room deserves the respect of its owner as well. Stop working the boys. The boys don't deserve that. Monday Night Raw. Slip gears. Monday Night Raw total viewership rises. Key demo slipped. This is week three of Triple H. This coming Monday will be uh, a full month of Triple H in WWE as far as head of creative. According to Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics, episode of Raw Monday drew 1.978 million viewers. That was up from the 1.956 million 
show did last week. The 18 to 49 demo did a 0.53. This is down from a 0.54. Raw was ranked number one in the cable top 150 shows on cable for the Knights, which was the same ranking as last week. So they remain steady, and people are slowly but surely getting on board with what Triple H is doing. If this was Vince, the show would be a 1617, probably less than that. So Triple H and the Triple H effect is absolutely working. WWE decided on a name for Bailey and her stable. WWE has filed for the trademark damage control. Control spelled C-T-R-L, as you see on the keyboard. Damage control. This appears to be the new name for Bailey's stable with Dakota Kai and EO Sky. The group has been dropping control references in their social media posts since they formed at SummerSlam on Tuesday morning, Bailey made a damage control reference on Twitter. So, damage control is the new name for Bailey's new group, more than likely. EO Sky and Dakota Kai, they will more than likely be the women to win the women's tag team title tournament, only to then defend those titles against Sasha Banks and a returning Naomi. Or returning Sasha Banks, I should say, and a returning Naomi. So I'm looking forward to that. But Damage Control is the new name, more than likely for Bailey's new stable. We may hear about that as soon as Monday on Raw. NXT Heatwave. Heatwave on Tuesday drew the highest cable rating for NXT since the start of the 2.0 era. 723,000 live viewers on the USA Network. This was up from the 597,000 live viewers the show did previously 0.18 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. The show did a 0.13 rating one week ago. This was the highest total viewership since October 26th, 2021. NXT 2.0 ranked number five on the cable top 150. Good rating. It was a decent show. And I expect the Triple H effect to kind of take effect of NXT slowly but surely as well. Kevin Nash... He said something that really opened up a lot of people's eyes, justified people like me after what he said on his Click This podcast. He said that people in WWE tried to dismantle everything Triple H did in NXT. I thought that was fucked up, man. Nash put over how great of a person Triple H is and credited his mother and father for raising him the right way. You know... I don't know if this is the case or not, but I watched a DX documentary on A&E in the week. We saw stories about Billy Gunn. We saw saw stories about Shawn Michaels and his deterioration, Road Dogg, X-Pac, China. Triple H was obviously there. He was a big proponent of DX, as you guys know. But we heard about everybody else's addictions and everybody else's, you know, downfalls and vices, right? Here we have... Triple H on this documentary, not one mention about anything that Triple H did in the time where he was in and around the click and in and around Degeneration X. Both iterations of Degeneration X. Not one story about Triple H getting drunk or Triple H using drugs. As far as I'm concerned from the documentary, Triple H was pretty much clean throughout his entire WWE. We run a couple of drinks here, possibly here and there, but Never anything like Road Dog or Billy Gunn or X-Pac. I found that to be very, very, you know, telling in that documentary. 
So he put over Triple H, credited his mother and father for raising him the right way. You have to meet his mother and father, Nash said. His mother and father are like salt of the earth, two of the nicest human beings on the planet. His socialization process is as close to leave it to beaver as probably you could have. I guess when you don't go through a life with a fucking back, backpack full of baggage, I think that's maybe life's a little bit. That maybe life's a little bit. He just didn't have any baggage. It was strange because I've just never been around anybody with no vices. Like, wow. Like, you're really fucking talented. You cut a good promo. You're vegan. You're funny as fuck. You don't miss a workout, and you don't have any vices? Sean Oliver asked Triple H, or asked Nash, if Triple H is a great listener. Nash said he's got an eye for talent, that's for sure. Look at the people he's kind of handpicked and pushed up the WWE product on Raw. Every time one of them went up there, man, it was just like, how quick can we dismantle what got him over and fuck this dude up? It was just like when he got sick, when he had the heart episode, they couldn't fucking get down there quick enough and dismantle what he built in NXT. I thought that was fucked up, man. Oliver asked Nash what the impetus of that was, and Nash says, I don't fucking know. I asked Sean about it, and he was just like, whatever. Sean is so changed. He's just not a shit disturber anymore. He does his job. He does it well. He does the best he can, and he goes home to his family. So basically, Nash pretty much called Sean a shill without actually calling Shawn Michaels a shill. But what he said about them going down there and fucking dismantling NXT, they couldn't do it quick enough. Or calling talent up, saying, how quick can we dismantle what got him over and fucked this dude up? It was a game to them. It was all a game to them. I said this for years People said, how could you say that? How could you say that about Triple H? It's not that way. Justified in everything that I do and everything that I said from Kevin Nash, who knows Triple H better than anybody. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And I would not be, would not be surprised if everything that had happened down there was a possible, possible part of the reason why he had a heart episode. Dynamite, AW signs 2.0 to a contract extension. Fightful Select has learned that the team of 2.0 have signed contract extensions with AEW. Angela Parker and Matt Menard, formerly Chase Parker and Matt Lee of NXT, joined AEW on August 4th, 2021 before being announced as signing full-time deals on August 19th of that year. Since then, they've been involved in major storylines and joined the Jericho Appreciation Society. Menard, known as Daddy Magic, has been doing commentary for AEW while out with an injury. Cool hand Angela Parker has still appeared on AEW television during that period. The two have received heavy praise from both fans and peers for their work in AEW, and those close to the situation heard from in the company said that the two have been Good to work with in their year-long run. No problem at all. You do the work, you put in the work, you get better, and you show your loyalty to the company, you're going to get rewarded, and that's exactly what happened to Daddy Magic 
and Cool Hand Angelo Parker. Very happy for both of those guys. You'll be seeing them on AEW television for years to come. News behind Kenny Omega's absence and his injuries, also from Fightful. Fightful had reported last month that Omega was heading back to AEW after being sidelined since November via the injury bug. When Fightful spoke with Adam Cole this year, he said it was unbelievable that Omega was able to work at a high level with all the injuries he had sustained. We'd later learn that those involved a shoulder injury that was rehabbed, a sports hernia, vertigo brought on by an Okada dropkick. Goes to show you that Okada's got the most devastating dropkick in the business. And a knee and leg injury that also had to be taken care of. Omega had told us at Fightful that there was so much to take care of, he could not put off surgery any longer. Omega had briefly returned to the road for AEW, but removed himself as he felt it was hindering his recuperation and rehabilitation. Omega said to Fightful that his original hope was to be back by Forbidden Door, but that did not end up working out. In July, some tentative plans for AEW were shifted, and the once internally discussed FTR vs. Young Bucks match was changed. Several talent were told that this was due to Omega's impending return, with plans for he and the Young Bucks to team in the trios tournament. Even earlier in the year, Tony Khan told Fightful on a media call that he was more likely to establish trios titles whenever Kenny Omega was back in the company. During our interview in June, Omega was setting up for a face-off with Will Ospreay, who was involved in this trios tournament as well. We're told that Kenny Omega consciously avoided the public eye for much of the time he was sidelined, he was also an integral part on the development of the AEW Fight Forever video game with one person who worked on the game telling Fightful that his input to the game was crucial. I love the fact that Omega avoided the public eye. But Omega being back, you know, Omega being back was a big deal, but it wasn't the biggest deal on Wednesday's Dynamite. Trios tournament started off on the right foot for sure with that match against Andrade, Dragon Lee, and Roosh. And a lot of people were like, oh, Kenny Omega is not 100%. Kenny Omega is still injured. That's what they want you to believe. I'm sure Kenny Omega is not 100%. He's never going to be 100% for as long as the man continues to wrestle. But that was the story of the match. Kenny Omega being back. And for all the people that say the Bucks aren't good storytellers and Omega is just a fucking... Indie guy doing flips and gymnastics and all this shit. Such a great storyteller. That was the story of the match. Omega is fine. He's back. That's what the compression shirt was for. That was what the arm sling was for that he wore out. That he wanted you to believe he was not 100%. And he's not going to show you that he's 100% until the time is right. It's all a natural storyline progression with what Kenny Omega wants to do. That's the most important thing to him. Wrestling and that story, that's the most enriching thing to him. Two AEW stars on Wednesday expressed frustration after being squashed on Dynamite. This was coming from the Varsity Blondes. The Gun Club defeated and squashed the Varsity Blondes in seconds. The match was so quick that Brian Pillman Jr. was never given a chance to tag in. Pillman and Griff Garrison sent out some tweets that indicated that they were frustrated. One of the retweets was from someone saying the Varsity Blondes deserve better. Another one pointed out that Pillman didn't even have, he even have a chance to get into the match. There was another retweet from someone suggesting that Chris Jericho take Pillman under his wing so he can make him into a star. Another retweet from Pillman. 
Great to see the roster that carried AEW throughout the pandemic era getting treated like this. Awesome. Love it. Hashtag Varsity Blondes at Flying Brian Jr. and at Griff Garrison 1 deserve better. Yeah, I think that was a very, very big statement there. I mean, of all the fucking teams, you got to take them and bury them. There was nobody else in the back that you could put out there and send out there for the gun club to bury. Really? And then they ended up turning on Billy Gunn. They ended up dropping the most over aspect of their fucking tag team, which is their father. The gun club is going nowhere without Billy Gunn. Nowhere. It's going to be very difficult to get themselves to the next level without Billy Gunn. They are not ready to leave the father's nest yet. So Billy Gunn, the most important aspect of that act that got the gun club over in the first place, has left the group and has joined another tag team who is also more over than the gun club in the acclaimed. I don't see how this is working out at all. Gun Club is going to be floating up Shit's Creek and on Dark before you know it. And it was at the, expense of the, at the expense of the Varsity Blondes. Not good. Not a good look. This is how you create locker room unrest. They didn't deserve that. There could have been anybody else in that spot. Not Griff Garrison and not Brian Jr. Brian Pillman Jr. And finally, guys, Jungle Boy. Looking forward to his match against Christian Cage at All Out. Jungle Boy has admitted that he did not like the way Jurassic Express won the AW Tag Team Championship. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. He spoke to Steven's wrestling journey, whoever the fuck that is. Jungle Boy recalled the win, noting that a lot of spots went wrong towards the end of the match. No shit. No shit, Ray Phoenix almost fucking killed himself. My most memorable moments would be the first tag team match we had in AEW, the very beginning. They were fucking over, big time. Before that tag team start, that tag team inaugural tournament started, they were mega over. People just had such a great reaction to us being together, and we had both been coming off the independence and had been working really hard to get signed, and we were finally there. To have so much of a great response to what we were doing, it felt really cool. I thought they were great, man. The combination of Jungle Boy and his dinosaur was one of the best concepts that Tony Khan has ever put together. Winning the tag team belts was really cool. I kind of didn't like the way it happened exactly. There was some stuff that went wrong at the end. Phoenix got hurt, which is never nice. And there were some hijinks going on that I really didn't fully love. Still, to win the tag team belts in the best wrestling company in the world with my best friend was really a special experience. The last tag team match we had, we ended up losing it, and Christian ended up smashing my head with a chair right after, which wasn't great. But the match before, the latter match with the Young Bucks, they are probably my favorite tag team to watch. They are amazing. We felt it was one of the best matches we've ever had. It was really cool. After everything we had been through, to go out there with people we had watched and idolized, who were like mentors to us to go out there and have this amazing match. What happened after has taken over, but we'll always have that match. We came from not even being a team to being one of the top teams in the company. It's been a cool ride. And I wonder why this interview dropped now. It's almost, it's almost as if he's foreshadowing a Luchasaurus heel turn at All Out with him showing that he's been with Christian Cage the entire time. I just find that to be kind of odd that this interview dropped this week 
only a couple of weeks before All Out. So we'll see what happens, man. But I didn't like the way they won the tag team titles either. I thought they had a decent run. It wasn't as good as it could have been. But, you know, we'll see what happens. If Jungle Boy's going on a singles roll or a singles run, we'll see what Tony Khan does. Tony, We know Tony Khan loves him. So, you know, I think Jungle Boy could really have big success in AEW as a single. And Luchasaurus, man, we loved Luchasaurus in the beginning stages of this heel Luchasaurus heel turn. He's also got big upside as well. So it may be... It may be in their best interest to go their separate ways for now to possibly come back and join forces somewhere down the road. So we will see what happens with Jungle Boy, and I'm excited for that match at All Out with Christian Cage. Guys, we are about to hit the Super Chats, man. We had a great fucking show tonight. A great show tonight, man. 11 new members. 1,300 likes. And 2,700 in the beer garden tonight. You guys are awesome. Love ya. Hit that subscribe button down below if you guys have not done so, man. Hit that thumbs up. Now, I'm going to ask for another couple of hundred more likes, man. We need 1,500 minimum. Minimum. Let's do it. Get those memberships in. Get those super chats in. And follow me on social media, guys. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. John Lamy with a UK 20 in super chat. Thank you, John Lamy. He leaves me a super sticker. John Lamy, thank you, brother. JC720 with a $10 super chat. Hey, JD, just wanted to say what's up. Hope all is good with you. Got the day off tomorrow, so cheers. Enjoy your cold beverage, JC. You got the day off tomorrow? Have a couple, man. Sidro. With a $5 super chat. Sidro's a comedian, bro. What's the difference between a WWE wrestler and a soccer player? A WWE wrestler will get up after faking an injury. Ha, ha, ha. Hashtag OTS for life. Hashtag Papa H era. Sidra, where are you getting this material, bro? I'm very curious. I'm very curious, man. Once again, thanks to Austin becoming a new member tonight, brother. What are you drinking, Austin? JP5150 with the 24-month commitment to the OTS VIP club. At long last, I have ascended to golden status. At least I think so. Regardless, I will maintain support to OTS. Continue your success, JD. Hashtag brand loyal. JP, shout out to you, brother. Wait till you see the 36 and 48 months. Garrett Burke with a three-month recommitment. Love your opinions and always enjoy the podcast. It keeps me going while on the road to work. Keep doing what you're doing, J.D. Garrett Bunk, thank you. Uh, Burke, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you, man. MGM Bolin with a 999 Super Chat. Seems like I say this a lot, but after a long weekend of thinking about someone who doesn't think about me back, 
I'm glad you are alive to keep me distracted and thinking about wrestling instead. Hashtag OTS forever. MGM Ballin, if they ain't thinking about you, bro, it's time you move on, bro. Time you move on, man. If they're not thinking about you, then they mean that means that God is telling you something about them not being right for your life. Move on. Nate Knight, $2 Super Chat. Do you want to see Tennille Dashwood back in WWE? I would not uh, say no to that, Nate. Sinister Classic with the $10 Super Chat. Let's hope. This is all the work with CM Punk. So we don't have to refer to him as CM Petty. Greatest thing the devil ever did was make the world think he didn't exist. CM Punk is the devil. Hashtag OTS for life. Sinister Classic, I do think that we are being set up for a work, bro. I think we're being set up for work, man. Michael Smith with a $5 Super Chat. JD, what do you think about the match Moxley had with Effie in GCW? I didn't watch it, nor will I ever, and I think Effie is embarrassing. I think what Moxley did in that match was embarrassing. GCW sucks, bro. I watched and thought it was embarrassing for Mox and AEW. Hurt his credibility. Yeah, I agree. Fuck that garbage, man. Circus. GCW is a fucking literal circus. War God. Cody Snyder. Thank you for the new memberships, guys. What are you drinking tonight? James with a 14-month membership. This one is for all the new members. James, I still got to email you, bro. I got to I gotta message you back, bro. I got your message about the whiskey, bro. I'm going to take you up on your offer, bro. Nick Williams with a four-month membership. Hope you're doing well, JD. Pardon my slowness, but I'm currently playing Final Fantasy while I'm listening. Nick Williams, you go play your Final Fantasy, brother. I'm waiting for part two of Final Fantasy VII on Next Gen to come out. Paul Van Tassel with a 21-month VIP commitment. I just got home today from my cousin's wedding. Hope, hopefully you had a good time, bro. I went to my, my good friend Jim's wedding last night. Had a good time. Not really Larry and Jonathan Spaulding with new membership. Thank you, gentlemen. What are you guys drinking tonight? Abdullah with a $500 super chat, Abdullah. We love you, Abdullah. Hopefully you're still with us, Abdullah. Sidro. Fight all super chat. Got an idea for intro. Add your get him out. After watch Triple H and Tony Khan are running their promotion better than Bruce and Vince. Get him out. I think we'll keep the long-term booking, Sidro, but I'll have uh, I'll have my boy Dustin put in the get him out. In there. Echoed. Wrestling with respect. 999 Super Chat. I think we can agree that John Cena will have a role in WrestleMania Hollywood, but do you see it being versus Gunther for his elusive IC title reign or Austin Theory, the inedible matchup? Uh, listen, man, I would prefer Gunther. I think, I think John Cena putting over Gunther would be incredible, but uh, it may be Austin Theory. 
They didn't do it at SummerSlam. We'll get it at WrestleMania. Hologram with a 22-month VIP commitment. And another one. I can see the golden mic. It's almost in my grasp. I was going to get tickets for the possible main event. But if JD ain't there, I'll pass. Bro, after this is over, I'm going to watch the Pro Wrestling Revolver show on Fight, man. Sami Zayn's... Uh, not Sami Zayn. Jesus fucking Christ. I said it. Sami Callahan. Sami Zayn is doing great on SmackDown. But Sami Callahan, man. Sami Callahan, um, he's got his promotion, Pro Wrestling Revolver. I'm going to be watching that shit on Fight tonight. I may be live-tweeting along with it, man. I know it aired at 8 o'clock. But uh, if you guys are on Fight, I highly recommend purchasing the show, man. Going to be some good shit. I may, I may see you on Twitter after this. John Lamy with a 10 in UK. He says, number one fan with a super sticker. Thank you, John Lamy. Wolfness Way with a 15-month membership. Cheers to you, brother. Sidro. $5 super chat. Thinking maybe Seth beats Drew for the Raw title and Cody wins the Rumble setting up Rollins versus Cody at Mania. Then Cross versus McIntyre for the SmackDown title. I could see it. Absolutely could see it. Reiki Wizard 777 with two Australia might. 799 Super Chats. Do you think Triple H will bring back the World Heavyweight Championship to replace the Universal title? No. And do you reckon Triple H will change the theme songs and stages of Raw and SmackDown soon? Um, I don't think the stages are going to change, but man, oh man, I think both Raw and SmackDown need updated theme music for sure. That Raw theme song is horrendous. And that SmackDown theme song is fucking well past its expiration date. R.D. Alcorn, new membership. Thank you, brother. Larry Kemp, three months, new beginning. Thank you, Larry Kemp. Michael Evans, four months. I think this drama with Punk is all the work to turn him heel. In fact, I believe Punk is going to help MJF become the AW champion and screw over Moxley. I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Whether MJF is a heel champion or babyface champion, MJF will be the AEW champion. Corey Williams with no message in a 199 Super Chat. Why, bro? Why are you shy, bro? Come on now. Javier Martinez with a 499 Super Chat. Rewatching TakeOver New York. And my God, Velveteen Dream was a star in the making. Would you consider rehiring him since he hasn't been found guilty? No. I mean, I would, but he would, he would go nowhere. They would never, never, never embrace him, man. Social media would cancel him at the fucking sight of him. Flawed TV becomes a new membership. A new member. Flawed TV, what's going on, bro? Thank you for the membership, brother. Tommy Brannigan with an eight-month recommitment to the VIP club. Loving the way WWE's getting better on the Triple H and looking forward to CM Punk and John Moxley on Wednesday. OTS for life, and JD, you are the best. Thank you, Tommy. Jeremy with a 12-month membership. Love to see your success, brother. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for the love, brother.
Ali with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, I just saw WWE Legends biography of Edge. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen about his life of becoming a wrestler. Truly amazing. That is on the list of things to watch, Ali. For sure. Also, Ali with a 499 Super Chat. Other thing is, JD, I always like to listen to your off-the-script Monday Night Raw and SmackDown review. They are fun. It makes my day better. Thank you. Thank you, Ali. I love the enthusiasm, Ali. Thank you, brother. Dustin Hill with a 499 Super Chat. The promo material in question is the face-face promo on the Go Home Show to Double or Nothing where Paige questioned punk support towards workers' rights. Thoughts? Yeah. He's in favor of workers' rights, but has no problem with watching his ex-best friend get fired for absolutely no reason. Not a good look for Mr. Punk. Not a good look. Al B. Elite, new member. Al, what are you drinking, brother? You are now officially Elite, Al, by becoming a VIP. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. What about TK doing an AEW versus XWWE guy? So I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Fujins Henry, 999 Super Chat. Stop and buy to show some love. Fujins, thank you so much, brother. Still having problems with this uh, USB 1 and USB 2 on my Roadcaster Pro 2, bro. I'm plugged into USB 2. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Type G with a 999 Super Chat. I'm a huge fan. I've been watching you since 2014, and you have made me smile and laugh. I will never stop watching you. OTS for life. Type G. Like Ali, I love the enthusiasm, brother. The Three Kings with a 999 Super Chat. If you look at all his feuds since coming to AEW, Punk has been the bad guy while being a face. Eddie, MJF, Hangman. I look in the mirror every day and ask myself, am I the good guy? No. He's not going to be. This is all an elaborate work from the mastermind known as Phil Brooks. Anthony Polato with a five-month recommitment to the VIP club. I really hope that CM Punk's situation is a big work because AEW doesn't deserve to lose credibility on an ego war. OTS for life. Tony Khan needs to step in and be a boss, bro. Sit everybody down. Sit Hangman and Punk down with Colt Cabana. End this shit, man. Get in between and let them hash this shit out like men instead of acting like fucking entitled pricks. D-W-A, Dirty Dana with a new membership. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking tonight? Saints 2025 with a... 499 Super Chat. I didn't get to see Kenny Omega's return because the TBS app is terrible on Roku, and that's the only way I can watch Dynamite. I'm sorry about that, brother. You may have to end up paying $499 for Fight TV and the AEW uh, extension there on Fight. Cody Snyder with a $2 Super Chat. VIP. Finally. Finally, Cody. I don't know what took you so long, bro. Dan from the 1990s with a $5 Super Chat. Should Toxic Attraction face damage control in the women's tag team finals? Yes. That's exactly what's going to be. Two heel factions, but we'll see what Triple H wants to do. 
Does he want to go heel heel or does he want to go traditional babyface versus heel? Babyface obviously would be Aaliyah and Raquel. <laughs> Rodriguez Gonzalez. Don't know what the fuck she's smiling about, but she may be there. Fallen exposure with a $2 super chat. Can we get. Say jaw with a 499 super chat. Well, WWE and AEW, please, no more add ons. Just focus on your current talent. Say jaw, I'm sorry to disappoint you, bro. WWE is going to continue to add on, bro. Dan from the 1990s with a five dollar super chat. One mind the Cody Rhodes and Karrion Cross feud in the future. Dan, I think uh, Cody Rhodes versus Karrion Cross would be a killer feud, and I honestly think, I honestly think that we will end up getting it, bro. Seriously, when Cody wins the world title, I think we get it. Guys, I appreciate you all very much, man. We killed it tonight, man. 2,700 live. We got Abdullah for the $500 Super Chat. We need 100 likes for 1,500. If there's anybody in the OTS venue right now that has not hit the thumbs up, I'm going to need you to hit that thumbs up. 1,500 minimum. You guys know the story. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Thank you for a great show, man. 11 new members. Abdullah with the 500 bomb. We had some great pro wrestling discussion. I will be back live tomorrow night, man. Monday Night Raw, brand new week. Week four of Triple H and the Triple H era. What are we going to see on Monday Night Raw tomorrow? Trish Stratus apparently is coming back. Raw tomorrow is in Toronto. Edge wrestling Damian Priest. Should be a good one. Should be a good one, man. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check me out on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Go and check out all the other content that you might have missed on the channel. Tons of it there, man. We got Raw. We got NXT. We got Dynamite. We got SmackDown. We got Extra. Live on Thursday, man. Extra on Thursday was great. Love surprising you guys with a live Extra. And go get your t-shirts, man. Off the script merchandise exclusively sold on bonfire.com. The exclusive home of Off the Script and Audible. Thank you to Audible sponsoring the show tonight. Audibletrial.com slash script. 30 days free of their service and one free audio book of your choice. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I'll see you tomorrow night live from the beer garden right here for the Monday Night Raw post show on OTS. I need two things from me before I get the hell out of here, man. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. 
All my VIPs, which is all of you guys still here. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And I need that music on max. Guys, tomorrow night, live, raw, OTS, beer garden. Have a great Sunday. And I'll see you guys tomorrow night, live, for raw. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.